0: Welcome to Innovating Music, a podcast from the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation. I'm your host, Dr. Gigi Johnson. Roman Rapack is on two parallel tracks. On one side, he has a new band, Miroshot, that is creating recorded music to distribute in traditional channels. But on the other side, he is creating music with that band, but specifically through an organization he's created called Morocco Labs, which is an AR VR content creation studio to create mixed reality experiences with the same music, but in live environments. Please enjoy this episode where Roman talks about what drives him on these parallel tracks on these interwoven journeys with his new band and why it's important to build their own systems and processes to create this new type of live and virtual engagement for future audiences. Mm -hmm. So you are in two camps. You are, or I would say multiple camps. So you are Mm -hmm. both a continuing, somewhat traditional creator, and really in the tech end of things. That's right. What are the camps you're in right now? What are the co- sort of core work you're doing?
1: The world that we're in, I suppose, is, is is the traditional music label structure, in the sense that we're releasing a record in 2020, and we are a signed band, which means that the implication, I suppose, when you when you when you sign a record deal, is that it's it, it stops being as much of a hobby that it possibly was before, and that you're aiming to put music out using the label structures and for it to reach as many people as possible. So that's what kind of tethers us to the old world, because I think one of the themes of, of the project and probably of this podcast will be that, how do you have one foot in the existing world that you're trying to maybe disrupt and then another foot in this new exciting world that has got very few rules or modes of best practice.
0: But at the same time, I would say you're a new annual foot. So your your band, Mirror Shot, is still fairly new. When was it formed?
1: Because we've developed into a, a, a company that makes VR experiences for reasons that I'll I'll try and go into later on. We, we've created a VR experience, which is a live performance, live music performance VR experience, which means the audience is seated. The performances last about 10 minutes, so it's an installation. There's a live band playing, so no one wears headphones. Um, all the music is live and the experience is being is a live generated VR multiplayer experience. So everyone is, is going through it at the same time and experiencing the same things. And the experience itself switches between VR and a form of AR or mixed reality where they can see they're back in the room and they're in reality and they can see the band, they can see the audience members that are next to them. And there's cameras on board the headset which deliver that part of the experience.
0: And so how many people are part of that 10 minute experience at a time?
1: We've done, um, it varies really, because that's the other thing, we've tried to make it so that that it can be, it's a modular experience so we can do different, like a band should be uh, in, well, in my um, my perspective, that you should be able to play very small club shows and you should be able to play huge festival shows and you should be able to play private gigs and you should be able to play record in stores. And with this we, for instance, in uh, Hamburg, when we played a show there, it was three days that we performed multiple uh, sessions, and it was in a warehouse space in front of about twenty people each time. And then in Paris, we did it uh, part of a Nuit Blanche, which is a tech music art festival, and we, that was in front of about twenty-five people each time. Um, and then Amsterdam, we did the Institute of Contemporary Art, which was around fifteen people because it was quite it was sort of the beginning. And yeah, we've done different things. We played cinemas in London and. Uh, that we've we've done a lot less people, um, and just shows for at the start it was just shows for our friends, really. Um, and the, the the point of it really was to say if we're looking at it from the music industry point of view, is to say that the way a band performs and the way we distribute music and the way people consume music is changing. Uh, but in a lot of ways we're still stuck in an old mode, mostly because the music industry And the sort of myth of what being an artist or a musician or a band is, is so um, uh, so bound to a kind of a, I would say, a cliche about what a band is and what a label is and how you're meant to release music. um, That I think that there's it's at odds with what's happening in technology. That if you think we 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 make music with laptops and that in a different way to, to the way we did 15 years ago, we consume music via streaming, which is different to how it was 15 years ago. And but yet we still go to go, the concerts are still really pretty much the same. Like you, there's an apart from maybe LED walls and two-pack holograms. It's basically the same. So this was a look at how we could change both.
0: Let me back up. Then you've mm-hmm. been doing music for a long time.
1: Yeah, this third album that that I've released. But we um, we started a new band to to be able to do this because we realised. That it was such a departure from anything we'd done before that we had to change the name and bring different people, and we had to bring coders in, people who were, um, people who are UX designers. It's a completely different um, experience. And then the music we wrote was music that was for this experience, so it's it's meant to be music written for virtual worlds and for it's meant to be experienced in that context.
0: So, did you start out? Could you maybe um, back us up into how you got started in music? You are based in the UK you have um, yeah. was was part of your early part of music uh, in your household technology in your household
1: yeah actually that's quite a good question my dad's um my dad's a coder a software architect and well was in the 80s in the uh, very early days of it and was so my house my everything my our clothes our house our cars everything was paid for by code really so for me it was never there's there was uh, it was never a kind of a brand new thing it's something that my dad did like making software was it's just sort of a traditional <laughs> line of work to get into um but um in terms of music i uh i was in bands from when i was 15 or so and
0: playing singing yeah, good, uh...
1: yeah writing songs and playing singing and then i went to art school and i studied film and so i've got a degree in film and i made music videos and commercials i did some videos for various bands and i did one for O'Connor. A singer for people who haven't heard of her, and then some brands and things, and then I started making music videos, and then I released uh, some music on a small label with my band, and we did our own music videos, and then we started touring, and we released a couple of records. We've done, we did US tours and Australia, and did all the things that are lots of fun and that you're meant to do. But I, I kind of finished after a couple of albums of doing that, feeling, um, feeling like the whole experience was. Was that, that everything was changing in the world? That technology was changing. My my friends who were used to be in the music industry left, and they had startups and worked in the gaming industry. And their their day was every single day was different for them, and everything was new, and they were at the cutting edge of everything. And then the music industry was just this kind of stale, desperate. It's such an old-fashioned, stuck in its ways industry and all the worst things about the music industry, like the sort of the sexism, the exploitation, the, the kind of obsession with novelty um, and the refusal to change, is all so deeply impregnated in the music industry that I felt like almost as a protest that we would start something that would, um, that would be using all the things that are ma- amazing about music and live music and all the things that are exciting about technology and especially VR and AR and MR and AI. and um, and try and do something new. And and here's where we are.
0: I love their comment about the obsession with novelty. A- and mm. yet not necessarily funding novelty, right? That that something no. needs to be like something else. So you're coming in then with something that is like something else. So how would how do people engage with thinking about um Coding, VR, AR, mixed experiences. How do people approach what you're doing now? And how do you um, deal with both um, marketing novelty and funding novelty?
1: Well... um with great difficulty, yeah, <laughs> in, in in the sense that we've because if we were just an uh, art project, like if we don't if we weren't supposed to be putting out a record, and like this is, I'm um, we're assigned to a label, a, a brilliant label who are very progressive and who is your label? Of, uh, we're signed to Believe, um, which is a they were originally a digital distribu- distribution company, and they have a sub label called All Points, and we're published by Warp Publishing, who mm-hmm. um, have also have a fantastic track record of innovation and nurturing new ideas. And um, as much as they've been incredibly supportive, we are still, if you're, if you're a band, you're still having to operate within, you know, you, there's press and there's Spotify playlists and there's booking agents that would like to book you for festivals and we're definitely a more complicated um, uh, proposition than for instance, here's the band, here's the song, that's it. Right. So it, it's why it's taken a lot longer to put a record out because we essentially had to start a a game development or a VR development company um, to be able to do it. But in, I think the advantage that we have is that we're not, we're not trying to just simply sell an app or we're not trying to just be, oh, here's a VR experience that, that there's an intention to, to put together something which uh, looks at, at things that we could do with music and live performance that haven't been done, but also, I mean, I've said a lot of things that could be maybe misconstrued as negative about the music industry, and I'm not against the music industry in any way. I've equally got loads of negative things to say about the te- <laughs> technology company. <laughs> I'm, I'm unbiased in my negativity. Um, well, well, I've got some for half a
0: step though in that the, the part of the challenge, though, is your your average label mm-hmm. is in part of bank and banking and financing portfolios of somewhat similar output. So I know in talking with other folks who are working in AR and VR, that some of the challenges that a lot of the money to come into, it's been uh, my phrase, not there's stunt marketing money. Mm. Uh, so looking at a longer term economic environment for investing in some of this stuff and figuring its payoff, how are, I'm assuming that, that. You're funding this, not necessarily label to be developing all of these offshoots and alternate media properties.
1: Yeah. what What do you mean by stunt marketing? You mean things that are kind of a a a PR?
0: Yeah, or that some than... brand has subsidized to, you know, said, look at me, look at me. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, the novelty of the month, and not necessarily something that has both longevity and some kind of an ongoing revenue stream.
1: Yeah. Um. I suppose the thing that we're doing, which uh, I mean, we've we have a startup and we're going for the first round of funding, and we got a grant from the Dutch government to uh, to put on our our event at the Institute of Contemporary Art. So as an art project, we've we've had that as as a, a sort of support network. Um, but the um, and,
0: and your startup is called
1: uh, Mirror Collabs, and we do. We realised quite early on that people were coming to our shows and saying. This is great. Um I would love you to do something for us and we're doing an opera and could you do one for us and at first we were like, well, we're kind of doing this and you know we don't really, you know we we we're just working on that and then we realized what the hell are we talking about? Like this is people <laughs> <laughs> everybody <laughs> needs this. Not yeah, everybody, exactly, but me. the
0: you know cutting edge folks who would love to be part of that vocabulary.
1: Yeah, and I think that we if we if we're doing this for the right reasons and by the right reasons I mean that this is if this is if this is a technology that is genuinely gonna change the world and is genuinely powerful but not only that and i'm not saying that in just a sort of mindlessly optimistic way I, uh there was you know the the internet and the industrial uh, revolution were all things that were going to change the world and were really powerful things and then all of them kind of got uh, you know sabotaged without trying, without sounding too much like a a hippie like they kind of they could well, they have
0: got they monetized were,
1: they got monetized but they were originally the the connection is that they were originally meant to to free us they were initially and they could have done that you know the an interesting example of you know like ed uh edison versus tesla of the idea that of what electricity should be like should it be something that's just going to make a lot of people who are already rich much richer or is it going to be something that could genuinely change the world for the better and create equality and i mean the internet's another good example that if you and this this is what I find fascinating about about especially about America and especially about the the way in the last year and a half we've had um, you know the idea of, of of these big superpowers these social media and tech superpowers and that if that I think the 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 uh, the perspective is oh you know there's these these big evils of these big corporate entities that don't care about anything and this is how we get our uh, our Trumps and our Brexits and we get people being, um, you know, people being lied to and people being manipulated. And actually, if you look, trace back the uh, the idea behind the internet and the the sort of original Silicon Valley uh, ideology, it's a really positive, wonderful thing, which is kind of rooted in like all the best bits of what I, well, what I find the best bits about um, uh, American culture that it's rooted in like uh hippie culture and counterculture and things that that are really positive and that in a way that got lost uh somewhere around the kind of dot-com boom uh idea that it's just it's just something to 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 make millionaires richer and to control the masses and i think that vr is this is why i think as well as being incredibly excited by i think you if you're working in it now you, you almost have a a responsibility or, or, or a moral obligation to say, well, this is 100% going to get used for dark, m- mean, horrible things. Like you you can't discount the fact that there's something incredibly dystopian about VR and AR or a potential for a very sort of black mirror um, turn of events. Or a and snow that, crash. Yeah, exactly. And I think that um, that it, it's interesting that those books as well, that snow crash and that, um uh, you know, Ready Player One, or whatever they have, they have messages in them about the potential evil that could come out of it. And I feel like if you're working in it, not only if you're an artist, if you're if you're if you're making games in it, or if you're creating, you know, apps for architects, that you, everyone has a piece of this future that they're designing, and that that there's an awareness we should all have about how to, we can do it in an ethical, responsible, and positive way, because. Ultimately, if you look at who the biggest players in this thing are, who really controls where this is going, you have Sony with uh, their PlayStation VR, you have Oculus that's owned by Facebook, you have uh, Vive, which is owned by one of the biggest telecommunications companies in the world. It is 100% sounds like a cyberpunk dystopia waiting to happen, (laughs) That everyone's just gonna, we're all just gonna get plugged into these things. And I find, this is the thing I find exciting about VR. It's not that I'm just mindlessly excited about the fact that we can all go into the visit these other worlds is how how unbelievably uh, bleak it could be that, that well it's a, it's a metaphor for everything good and everything bad about the world at the moment that it's, it's, it's a metaphor for the good because we are all now allowed to escape and build our own worlds and we all have agency and we're allowed to use technology so that someone from Basra could experience an interactive uh, Harvard lecture, or a doctor could learn how to save lives, and that's all really wonderful and amazing. But in another way, well, what is it going to be? These people sitting in rooms on their own, experiencing false, uh, a false like a false reality that is a detachment from what's really going on outside and that we gradually go further and further away. And so whatever you can turn it one way. And it's the most wonderful thing in the world that will give us all the things that uh, political movements and religions promised us that we we'll all be one. And that we're, you know, the, the ultimate hippie idea, or it could be the, the worst tool that has ever been created. And I think that that's that it's that like sp- balance between the two that, that means that that middle area, that gray area in the middle working on, a piece of art that's that exists there that makes people ask that question is really it's like a gift to to be experiencing that at the moment.
0: So you are putting a bet on the table for the positive side of ARVR and an interesting in an interesting space I mean this (laughs) is where the existing platforms often don't know what to do with a lot of this is that when we start melding these spaces together with immersion storytelling live, which is a whole nother bizarre kettle of fish right now, mm-hmm. um, that that you have to figure out how how to sell this. Yeah, so,
1: pre- think, so
0: presently you're at you're right. small scale live blends, what yeah, is the where, where, right place and partnership for what you're doing?
1: Um, or like, I'll describe what going to one of our shows is like, and then maybe, um, I don't know on if we do a tweet about this later, I can do a link to audience reactions. Cause I think that that is at the core of, of all of it, that there's, you know, there's, there's people attending something and they're attending it at the same time and it's synchronized. And it's, it's the core of our show is that it's switching between reality and VR. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's the fact that it's, I think, and I think that this is what we've learned from really exploring this for two years and workshopping it and having this amazing luxury of being able to develop stuff every day and quit our jobs and just work on this is that we've, um is that we're trying to get to the essence of what this not only what this technology can do but what, what constitutes an effective VR, AR immersive technology experience and what bits of it should we avoid and what, um, what are the kind of tropes and traps that people are falling into. So and I'm going disc- to stop
0: you for a second just sure. to do something which sadly or happily needs to be done occasionally mm-hmm. AR versus VR, before we get further into this, because you kind of mentioned it earlier.
1: Okay, I can describe. That would be good. Okay, so just to uh, be more specific, because I mentioned AR and VR a few times, is that um, Clay Bevan, who's a really fascinating person at Google, uh, did a talk that described the distinction between these things, which I think if anyone's wondering about what these terms mean, that's the best place to start. Um, VR is where the entire world is occluded so it, the entire world disappears and you're putting the user or the person You're building the experience for in a completely virtual space That means that everywhere they look is in in this virtual world They can't see anything of the outside or real world um, and then in the other end of the spectrum um, You have reality so you can see everything around you and there's a grade that goes from reality to VR So it goes from VR and the next thing is um MR, so that's mixed reality. That's where part of the world is real and part of it is virtual. Then you have AR, which is augmented reality. So the idea there is you can see everything, you can see reality. But um, it's augmented in the sense that the computer is tracking in a virtual space where objects are and attaching them to reality. So uh, virtual objects are attached to the real scene around you. So this is this, the interesting thing, that the reason I mentioned Cleo Evan is because Uh, he talks about the fact that this will all be irrelevant in about three or four years, that this distinction, that everyone has huge arguments, oh, VR will be, VR isn't as what we thought it would be because everyone's predicted it was a $25 billion industry by 2025, and then everyone says, oh, it's going to be about AR. You know, Apple famously developing the next big, AR headsets, et cetera, and uh, Magic Leap was the biggest funded AR. <laughs> as we, which is thorny. Would you like to
0: buy a Magic Leap uh, headset for corporate now? Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, so uh, from the point of where we're using it and what's interesting about it for us is I I've got a lot of um, we found a lot of things which are a VR sort of modes of practice that are happening which I kind of personally think if you're, if, you, if, you're, if you're going to do any VR experiences or you haven't done these are important questions to ask yourself which is um, most VR experiences and this will upset a lot of people most, I would say that nearly everyone agrees that 90% of the vr experiences you do are awful <laughs> like they're just terrible in the sense that they are they don't work in the right way you, they're uncomfortable even the way that it's displayed or it's shown like if you will go to a vr installation it's strange and awkward to even put on a headset let alone put it on a headset with people around you let alone do that and then f- have a queue of people who are queuing up for their go on it i i think that what we've one of the things that we found is that VR to be appreciated properly it should be like the 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 way that cinema is appreciated and actually there's a similar there's an analogous timeline which is that the technology of cinema as in 25 frames a second gives the illusion of movement etc and the first sort of film or the first important films let's say are from Lumiere Brothers to the the Hitchcocks, The Lodger, to going on to uh, um, Nouvelle Vague in the sixties or whatever. There's a huge gap between them, and that gap is that gap is us trying to understand how the medium works and to tell a story in it. And Before building that.
0: ritual, and building editing, and building the metaphors of, of how exactly the think the, about the, it. Lang- yeah.
1: the language of cinema hmm. and all the like you said, all the other jobs that go around it. Um, Arguably, that's going to happen a lot quicker in VR because it's just the speed of the fact that we can all operate as this hive mind now and that all these tools are free and you can get Unity and people can have laptops, etc. That it's, it's less clunky than trying to get, you know, a film. Not
0: necessarily free, rev right? So you can you can be creating in it, but the tools now are taking a piece of the action.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I your just mean that com- if yeah. we are in 1920 and you wanted to get in movies, it would definitely not be a case of a tool that you had in your house, i.e. a laptop, and a download that you could get. Mm-hmm. You would need to, it would be complicated. Using uh, Learning Unity, you could, on a very cheap laptop, download it tomorrow, and I of course, eventually have to pay revenue and I eventually have to do ad space, et cetera. But you would feasibly be able to at least enter into this as a, as a a as an art form. Um, whereas if you look at the earliest editing machines, like the early steam, like you would have to study for three and a half years to even be allowed in a room where one of those things were. So that's why I mention as a uh, you know I'm not, I'm not saying that the diff- dist- distance between the film technology being developed and the first like Kurosawa or, or whatever film being released in the cinema, we're not like, going to expect that amount of time to pass. It's going to happen very quickly. However, we're right at the beginning. So that's why I mention you know, at the beginning of cinema, these things were a fairground attraction where you would go and he'd, a guy in a moustache with a monocle would say roll up and see the dancing lady for 10 seconds and you would roll a thing and that was that was film and I think that we're slightly in that stage with VR that it's like it's a gimmick and an attraction at the moment it's a very powerful one and if you look at into what it's going to do that it's, it's going to it's not necessarily just a game or or a a way of having a 3D Skype call, it's everything we're doing is going to get, in the same way that mobile phones and the internet went that way, that everything is then mediated by it from, from banking to calling a cab to contacting your loved ones. I think a lot of those things are going to get, are going to just logically be um, through immersive technology. I don't so, think that we're gonna wear clunky headsets.
0: <laughs> or, or, or have lenses that uh, change our eye. Yeah, um, exactly. So you, though, are, as we started the conversation, you are bringing out a traditional album as well. Can you talk about how you are distributing more traditional music in mm-hmm. the, um, at the sort of one end of the spectrum of this creative properties you're building?
1: Yeah, well, our I guess our unique angle on it is that we're not just a VR company trying to get you to go on Steam, um, which is a... A platform by which you can buy VR experiences for your headset, and I'm not trying to get you to just go on there and buy our app. It's it's are a, a band touring music, and one of the ways and releasing music on Spotify, etc. And one of the one of the, and and the one of the tools we're using to express this inexpressible thing that music is um, is a live VR experience. So we we have shows, and they're they're part of our tour, um, and you go to uh, where to the place where the band is playing in a very traditional sense, like you would a concert, but leading up to the normal concert at the end of the day, we have VR sessions where we play one of the songs from the record and you experience this um, surreal pixel audio uh, blissful trip <laughs> um, collectively with real people in a real room. And a lot of the, the exciting thing about it is that a lot of people who come to these things, they're not people who are like just tech junkies or video game, uh, aficionados or people who are into VR and they were people who would normally not and there's a really fascinating statistics about how how few gamers have actually tried VR and how few people have, even though you hear about it everywhere especially if you're working in the industry it feels like everyone has has, has, has a VR headset at home or a room even that they, they experience these things in um, and that's what what is, our, what's the point the point of our show is to do that is to, is to present a window into what's possible rather than to say, here we are, we've arrived at a conclusive um, perspective on what VR is.
0: So are you releasing then an album?
1: Yeah, the, it's a re- sorry, it's a regular album that will be released in 2020 with singles that are coming out. We've already released an EP that you can listen to on Spotify or see the videos on YouTube. The band's called Miro Shot, so it's M-I-R-O-S-H-O-T. Um, and the idea is that we'll, we, we we want... Um, the music that we 've written, the songs are about technology and about uh, mass media and social media and that we found it was a particularly incredible um, tool to use that to express it because people were leaving the shows that we did these VR shows and they weren 't just talking about how much they liked the music or that they enjoyed this or they were they enjoyed that they were talking about what is this going to mean that we 've you know, we're we going to experience things in a different way. We we've met such so many fascinating people through this as well. Um People who are uh, like I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Kent by he's a he also has a podcast. I think that has, um I don't know what the protocol is of advertising other other podcasts.
0: <laughs> Cross promoting is always <laughs> yeah good. yeah.
1: He should advertise yours and, and <laughs> you know. but yeah he, uh, if you, he he does the voices of VR podcast which okay. is like. Uh, a really fascinating resource for, you know, he doesn't. He he interviews. He'll interview architects and people who have been in VR from the beginning, from the like nineteen late the late sixties NASA sort of Damocles experiments, to people who are releasing, um, who are part of you know. There's the the film world is a is a really interesting place to look at what's happening in VR because. Like the gaming world, who that that are trying to claim VR as their thing and just an extension of video games, the film world has also said and has put a very strong case for saying, this is the most. This is a storytelling medium. Like we can change people's, we can change the world with it. And we've been making films. We've been telling stories. This is just a new tool, like a new camera and a new cinema. So, and I think that's a really interesting conflict that's going on, because the thing that's really fascinating is. And again, I don't want to, I don't know how many people have upset so far, (laughs) upset so far, but I don't want to upset filmmakers or the film industry, and I don't want to upset the the uh, game industry, but neither of them have really got it right in the sense that things that, that made Rockstar Games the biggest company in the world, and Grand Theft Auto outsold Thriller, and it's the most consumed piece of media since the history of man began. The, the, the interesting thing is that none of these companies have really got their head around it, uh, um, because the things that work in video games don't work in VR. Like, you can't run and shoot someone in VR because it's it's nauseating to move a character like that, and violence in VR is so much more visceral that it is. It's actually like genuinely shocking to watch someone getting shot in front of you in a VR experience, whereas in a game you're watching a screen and it's kind of you're just watching a little window into a world. And the same with film, the film industry and the music industry that these incredible directors and auteurs picked up the the idea of VR and thought, well, this is the ultimate tool for me as as the godlike director. And none of the things that work, like we talked about, the language of cinema. Um, the establishing shot, for instance, what happens in your establishing shot when you're about when you're showing a diner in Manhattan to say this is where the story is about to take place. And your audience just looks behind them because they're just interested in a pigeon that landed, behind, you know, that suddenly that doesn't work. How can you have a close up and move someone towards someone's hands or their eyes to convey a certain emotion? When if you move, if you move a character around in VR, it makes it really makes them sick. It brings them out of it, if anything. Um, and that's why theater makers, for instance, have thought, well, this is our medium, because it's, a, it's the idea of mise-en-scene. You know, in a theater, you, you might look at one bit or another. It's about creating an environment. And equally, the Royal Shakespeare Company has brought out a whole VR department. And so far, nothing they've made has really grabbed anyone. And it's, it's, it's interesting to, what, my point of this is it's interesting to see these enormous industries that have such a grip on their own, on their own uh, huge lucrative industries and markets. Be at odds with it, and that two people can get a laptop and create something, and that that beats all of those things. So I think that's a really wonderful um, in time, moment in time to be in
0: and I would contest though that music is still thinking of this too as you're working on it that you know you can people have been putting three hundred sixty cameras in and you get distracted by the couple making out in the back row yeah, or exactly. that you you know you're basically you know, For a lot of folks, it's the, well, we can give you a front row seat or give you a seat behind the drums or whatever, which hasn't been necessarily anything other than, in some cases, a a marketed or promoted item. How do you deal with um, how to optimize or engage or enhance, then, the music experience? Let me back up to something you were saying about violence in VR, that... music is in many ways transported emotion so how do you use vr and ar to enhance capture or expand on the emotional sense of the music you're creating
1: um well i think enhance is is a is a really important word and and uh, even though i left music out of that of that last bit of the music industry one of the reasons is because i'm uh I, a, I, I feel like of all the of all the three big industries trying to grapple with this of film gaming and music, I think music is famously the music industry is, and I think there's a really important distinction uh, is famously terrible at adapting to technology. You, know, you just have to look at how it adapted to streaming that um, the, while the while the major labels were trying to sue Metallica fans, uh, Steve Jobs and things like Spotify and iTunes. Uh, completely um, undercut them and pulled the rug out from under them and now you have a music industry you know there, there used to be f- what, five six major labels, and now there's three and it's be- and the music industry took an enormous nosedive that it's only recovering from now um, and I think that that's when you said enhanced that's a definitely one of the things we've found is that that's the secret to it don't ever use this technology uh, and uh, try and replace what a live concert is never try and say this is better than an album or better than a concert or better than a film. like it's a different medium and you should use these existing um disciplines which have existed for thousands of years When you think about it theater music um performance and just use this technology to enhance what's already there that if it's a if it's a powerful moment in a song where it has a really visceral chorus where everyone feels together, then drop away from the VR and put everyone back in the room so they can see everyone there because that's the whole point of a concert. If it's a moment that's very introspective and has a pulsing uh, feeling of moving forward, then put them in a room on their own and fly them slowly towards a, through, down a corridor. And that's the, I think that's the secret of it. It's, it's Don't ever use, use technology for technology's sake. and. I think that a lot of the, the if you, if you look if you were to Google music and VR, I'm sure you'd find the sort of two approaches which are the uh, the moment the the way that uh, the, there's an assumption that perhaps these are the ways of doing it, and one is the like you talked about the 360 video of the concert, which like I just uh, I know I'm going to come on be as positive as I can about. <laughs> I just can't help but be completely dismissive of that, that if that's what it is that, that we're all going to go oh instead of going to a concert I'm just going to sit on my own in a room and I'm going to I don't need to go to Coachella or Glastonbury or you know, Madison Square Gardens I'll just I'll just be in a 360 video where I can't move I can't interact I'm not really there no one's there I can't and I'm just going to just be this strange prisoner in a kind of clockwork orange misery of a, of, of 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 some technology and company's impression of what a concert is it, it can't be that and the other angle that people are trying to do maybe you know if you look at the most successful thing in vr at the moment is it's it's a music driven game it's the first thing to break like, like 18 million dollars it's the first thing that um that is looking like well this is where gaming is going to you know the most lucrative industry in the world is finally gonna gonna have this migration towards vr and it's beat saber which is a game it's a rhythm game uh, which is a fantastic very well made thing and i don't want to uh, I'm, I'm, you know, the people have made it are very talented, et cetera, and it's done incredibly well. So it's good for the industry, which is a term you'll depressingly hear <laughs> hear a lot. Uh, but um, it's it's still it's a it's a rhythm game. It's standing on your own in a room and you do actions in time with music, which is 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 great in its own way. It's that's existed in video games, but it's it's for me. I'm obviously I'm coming from it from a musician's point of view and you know, a music point of view. I still feel like there's something that is there that we can do with this technology that harnesses um, the amazing things about music. And I think that, mu- that, that um, VR uh, and the things that don't work in film and gaming and the things that I feel like have, have got wrong quite, uh, quite frequently is that VR is a medium that is really just about the experience and being in a place. And I think that's the in a, str- in a way it's the most simple and beautiful thing about it. But is the most is the easiest thing to get wrong. Is that so the VR experiences that I've done Haven't the the ones that really moved me? They haven't been about killing something or getting some points or solving a puzzle. Or they've been about just the sheer um, kind of wondrousness of being in a space, of that strange sense of vertigo from standing across a cliff, or the sense of scale from looking up at an enormous building. And weirdly, those are the most powerful bits. um, Which is what you know that that which is in a way what music is with music it's not you don't really understand why you love a piece of music you just you just do and then um, you know, there's some wonderful things written about um, about the way that, that, that VR will bring us more together it will make us realize th- complex things that various you know zen like buddhism and religion try to teach us which is about being part of something larger than ourselves about not forgetting about the material things, forgetting about you know the troubles and the difficulties you have, and that you get transported, or to get you know it's difficult not to sound like a complete hippie when you talk about it. But that's, <laughs> that's why that's why I don't think it's going to be about you know Super Mario Brothers in VR. I don't think that's what it's meant to be for.
0: Well, we are nearing the end of our conversation. We are standing at the beginning of 2020. Mm-hmm. Can you share with us? where you're going to be, where people might find you. I know you were saying you're going to be at South by Southwest in March of 2020. Where else will you be this year?
1: Uh, We're going to be at the Cam Film Festival for Cam XR. Um, We're going to be playing concerts in, uh, we're in Paris in February. And if you go to our, if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter, we will be posting some tour dates, um, obviously doing regular shows and, Festival appearances, but then doing these special VR shows, which we we actually like keeping them as as small as possible, so that people can experience it in in these groups that of this size, because it just makes more sense that they have that it's kind of almost like an intimate performance rather than a big crowd of people. Um, so if you join, um, if you go to Mirrorshot.com, M-I-R-O-S-H-O-T.com, you can sign up and join. The collective that we have incredible photographers and designers and if you want to find out more about the project but also if you want to uh if you want us to help you get started in vr as a medium we have resources and we have we regularly post things like tutorials and interesting things that that we've um spotted so we're really excited to 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 sort of share this stuff
0: and any last things we didn't mention you want to make sure that our listeners have uh, heard about
1: um no I'd, I'd i'd like to end on on a message i feel like i've wanted to make sure that there's a, there's a positive
0: i <laughs> Understood. Um,
1: yeah the, the the really it's the it's the, if you're an artist or if you're a photographer or if you're even if you don't even know if you're an artist or not that this is this is one of the most exciting times in 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 recent history to be Getting into this because if you if you get into film now there have already been the Hitchcocks and the Kurosawas. If you get into music, there's already been the um, the David Bowies and the and the Dreys. Uh, but at the moment, it's it's anyone's anyone's game, and it's um, it's I think the real masterpieces will come from places we don't imagine it. So I would urge anyone who's excited by it and. Um, interested in it to, to, to get involved and, and th- if we can help in any way then they just need to message us and we'll point them in the right direction.
0: Excellent. Thank you for joining us. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Many thanks to the UCLA Herb Alpert School of Music and the UCLA Center for Music Innovation for being our hosts of this ongoing series. You can subscribe to us in all the usual places or you can come find us at innovation.schoolofmusic.com Dot UCLA dot edu. Join us again to follow the other adventures that we will be tracking down in innovating music. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. You have found one of our adventures now in the Marimel Podcast Network. You can find our shows everywhere that you listen to podcasts. We've got Amplify Music Conversations from the Amplify Music Conferences during the pandemic, Creative Innovators, and now Innovating Music. If you're interested in following up with us in any of these shows, please reach out on our websites and you can find those in the show notes.